you're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Podcast Division. Welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Herleman, and joining me today, we've got my Padawan daughter, Taylor Jade. Hello. And from our Southern Cali Jedi Enclave, we have Jedi Master Baron Lawton and his Padawan Pharaoh. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Through Imperial Eyes is the 17th episode of Star Wars Rebels' third season. It aired February 25th, 2017 on Disney XD and aired March 18, 2017 on the Disney Channel. The official description, as Thrawn's search for the rebel spy intensifies, Ezra looks to extract Kallus and bring him to the rebel base. Or as we get on cable, fearing that the identity of a rebel spy will soon be discovered by the Empire, the rebels launch a plan to rescue the spy before he's caught. Ezra is sent to rescue Agent Kallus before the Empire has him arrested and sentenced to death. Only before they can get him off of Kallus' ship, Thrawn's fleet shows up. Things go from bad to worse, but along the way, Kallus has been covering his tracks by implicating Governor Price as the rebel agent to Lieutenant List. Only to further set up List as the Fall Guy. When the rebels discover how close Thrawn is to discovering their base, they break into Thrawn's office to erase the base from the database and added a decoy. They manage to escape, but Callus seizes on the opportunity to remain behind as Fulcrum. Thinking everything was a success, Callus plans to keep Thrawn as far from the Rebels as possible. Only he doesn't know that Thrawn knows it's Callus who is Fulcrum and plans to use Callus unwittingly against the Rebels. Oh man, it's getting serious up in this piece now, boy. Oh man, this episode was so intense. I don't know about you guys, but all the way through this one, even when I was rewatching it, the intensity, the fact that Thrawn was on them, the organ music that's Thrawn's theme, it's, it just all played so well. You know, I'm going to have to agree with you, Mark, on that, that this episode was really intense. I love the episodes where it kind of shows the inner workings of the Empire and Specifically in this episode, we've always seen kind of a droid use the data port. I think this is the first time we've ever seen a human actually have to use that data cartridge, shove it in and turn it manually. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So that was really cool to kind of see how the Empire works. So I really love these kind of, of episodes. I enjoy this episode from front to the end. You know how we do it. We always have a question for our Padawan. So this time around, we ask, what was significant about the assassin droids? The assassin droids were the ones that were trying to kill Thrawn. I don't know. Like, when we first saw them and everything, they were just kind of walking around. They weren't doing much. Thrawn was fighting them. Yeah, he was exercising with them. Yeah. So they're like training droids, in a way. Whenever I saw those droids, they... The first thing I said to my dad was, those are like stormtrooper juggernaut droids. And they're, and they're like big and bulky and Thrawn's fighting them off like they're the easiest thing ever. And it's, it's pretty cool to see like what Thrawn is capable of. 
Now, see, you are very close. In the Legends arena, these are actually remnants of the Imperial Phase 3 Dark Troopers that we saw in the Star Wars Dark Forces game. They served as the game's enemies. You basically played as Kyle Katarn. The whole point was to destroy the project. And the project was, they had three different versions. In fact, I've added a link into Skype for you guys to check it out. And they've got Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3. And if you look at the Phase 3, and of course I'll add it in the show notes here, you can really understand where the, the idea of it was. And these are all, when you look at this picture, these are all robots. There are actually no people inside of them. Uh, so that was kind of one of the premier ideas of what they were doing was the Empire was finding a way to basically create stormtroopers without having to provide bodies for it. And if they were successful, it was going to be a very dark time for the Rebellion. So Kyle had to go in, infiltrate, and destroy the project. He was successful, of course, as was the player of the game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the early 2000s, I believe, they came out with a really cool dark trooper. They actually came out with a couple dark trooper figures. One was in the... I think it was a Jason and Jaina Solo line that they had a silver dark trooper, or maybe it was white. And then they had a black dark trooper for like the expanded universe line. So I had a couple of those figures. So it was nice to kind of actually have them in canon now, the official Disney canon. They're not people, like you said, inside of these things. And their history, obviously, is condensed to, I think they're called assassin droids in this episode. So, I mean, there's a lot of assassin droids. They've called a lot of droids assassin droids. I think you can make any droid an assassin droid if you just reprogram it. But these are called assassin droids. So it was really cool to see it live, you know, and rendered and see kind of how they move. And they kind of how they, they kind of move a little quicker than I thought they would. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, is you mentioned that toy and I'm like, oh, I have it. I ran over and grabbed it off my wall here. It's the Dark Trooper uh, Saga Legends figure. It was the fan's choice number one, and it came out in 2007. On the back, it says Dark Trooper. The goal of the Dark Trooper project was to create better battle droids. These super storm troopers were used against the rebels after the Battle of Yavin, but the project came to an end when the Alliance mercenary destroyed the production facility. That would, of course, be in Kyle. Yeah, it's pretty it's, cool. It's man. pretty close to a juggernaut stormtrooper. Yeah, I mean that's I mean you're on the nose. That's basically the whole premise of what it was. They wanted something bigger, badder, and bulky. When we first start the episode, what are we doing here? It kinda dawned on me as it dawned on Callus that Ezra got caught on purpose because they need to get Fulcrum out of there because they believe that Fulcrum's transmissions are are being monitored. What do you think about this plan, guys? I feel like it was really clever and, like, thought out from the beginning. So Ezra gets captured and escapes with Callus. It was cool to see it come into play, especially, you know, with the planning. Do you think it was risky for them to send any of the rebels in to go get Callus as, you know, with Thrawn on their tail? Do you think it was a pretty risky plan? Yeah, I feel like it was a risky plan because if they get caught, then the whole mission's over, basically. They have no backup. Yeah, they lose a rebel... They, they would lose Ezra, and they would lose Fulcrum if they were get and caught. And Kanan and Rex, because they were part of the plan. It's amazing that they would risk this this amount of blood and treasure of the Rebel Alliance to, to save this guy. I think it was really confusing that... Well, not so much confusing, but like I didn't get it at first that Ezra was doing it on purpose and stuff. And I was just like, oh, there's a ship, and that Thrawn's taking it. 
basically held captured. I didn't realize he was doing it on purpose. So yeah, you didn't even realize that Thrawn wasn't even there at the beginning. You just assumed we were already on Thrawn's ship. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until Thrawn shows up later that it became the, oh my God, we're in trouble moment. Phoenix Squadron, I mean, basically that's what we're seeing here is they were sent in to do this infiltration and I think they purposely went when they did because they knew Thrawn wasn't going to be there. But when Thrawn, you know, showed up, suddenly everything's jeopardized. I think one of the coolest things, though, about this episode was the way that they started first person point of view. They got the alarms going oh. off and stuff. And then you realize that, that you're in Callus's eyes. Hence the title through Imperial Eyes. It was a brilliant way to open the episode. At the beginning of the episode, like I thought it was going to be a first person episode, the whole thing. And it, it kind of questioned me because it went on for like two minutes, right? When you were thinking, who is this? Who's this? And then you see Callus in the mirror you're like uh oh callus is you know he's dealing with some stuff right now because it was like all hands on deck and he but he goes into the bathroom (laughs) i don't know if that's gonna stay in the show i I don't know what my point was with that but uh i don't know you know the one thing one thing all the way through this i mean callus was covering his tracks but there were a lot of times where i felt like he was being very brazen especially when he stays behind at the end it's just it, it felt like oh man this is this is such a bad idea i mean setting list up worked to get you out of there but while List is sitting there being pulled away, screaming, Callus, Callus, like, dude, does that not put like a bright red light over Callus's head? Like, I mean, the the fact that Ularen wasn't figuring it out as quickly as Thrawn did. I mean, and even Thrawn like had to see the helmet that Ezra was wearing on that really cool bounty hunter costume that he was wearing. And when he put together that it was Sabine's artwork of the Lothcat, it was like everything he already assumed was solidified. But I, I, I mean, it just come back to Callus making some really stupid mistakes. I mean, going in and shutting off all the stuff while he's in there, that sets it up already for one of those problematic issues where people are like, well, wait, Callus was in there. Then he goes later and he sets up List as being the one going in there. That's what he should have been doing from the start, but he wasn't. So it's like he already kind of had a paper trail, so to speak, it seemed. I don't know what the hell Callus was thinking. Did he think that Thrawn was not going to figure that out? I mean, when you have... Ezra, who Thrawn already knows who they are. The whole Empire knows who Ezra Bridger is before even Thrawn got on the scene. And as soon as they identified who the prisoner was, and Callus was the first Imperial officer to see the prisoner, and him not, you know, identify the prisoner and, and alert the proper authorities, that was going to point to him as being the spy anyway. So, yeah, he was making some bad decisions here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the first time we've seen Yularen in Rebels? Oh, man. Now you got to make me go and correct you I think if you're wrong. So. I think so. <sighs> I think this is the first yeah. time we've seen Yularen. What did I say to you when I said, do you recognize that voice? It's the announcer from the Clone Wars. And, yeah, he told me about it. And then I heard him. It's like, oh, immediately reminded me of every single episode of the Clone Wars. It's just that, that same guy. <laughs> He kept going, oh, that's so cool, every time he would say something because, you know, the Republic forces have attacked and Rhoda is blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, that's his voice. And I'm like, Yularen was Admiral Yularen when he was in the Clone Wars, and now he is CSI. They gave him some crazy name. And one of the questions my Padawan asked me was, is he a good guy or a bad guy? And that was kind of hard for me to answer because when he was with Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, he was definitely a good guy. But obviously he survived the Clone Wars and he's still working for the Empire, but he seemed kind of like a bad guy here. He's kind of like the uh, Gilead Paleon from the original Thrawn series. You know, he's like the good Imperial that was there for his career. Um, 
you know, in fact, he he's a colonel at this point because he did. He switched from the Navy into uh, the ISB and got a different rank. But he's a character that we actually see in A New Hope. He's one of the guys sitting in the original uh, round table room when Palpatine – or not Palpatine. Uh, Vader does the original uh, force choke on Mahdi, uh, on Conan Mahdi, I believe, was who was sitting there. He's one of the guys that die on the Death Star, in fact. So it's interesting that the character has been around since the first Star Wars movie, but we're just now getting that point where we truly get a background for him. And he is somebody that we kind of love because he was basically the go-to guy for Kenobi and for Skywalker. So you would think that he would trust Jedi. He knows that Ezra Bridger is a young Jedi. Thrawn says it, the young Jedi. So... He doesn't trust Jedi now? You know, it's kind of like not in his character to be so evil. You know, trying to root out the spy and stuff like that. I understand it's his job, but you would think that Yularen would would see that the Jedi were not evil, that he would not believe the propaganda and would maybe leave. But, you know, obviously he's in the first movie, so they could not do that kind of a retcon. But it's interesting seeing him here doing the Empire's bidding when you would think that that's totally out of character for him, in my opinion. Well, he follows the public lies. I mean, he's doing what he's been told. He's not as privy to everything that we, the viewers, are. I mean, there's a lot of things in the background. You know, I'm, I'm sure he probably doesn't buy into Palpatine being a Sith Lord, you know, at this point. He probably believes Palpatine was almost assassinated by a Jedi. I mean, there is a lot about what happened to Palpatine that is hard to swallow, even for us that have watched it you know you watch palpatine get his his face torched by his own sith lightning bouncing off of mace's lightsaber that's kind of hard to describe but you say that the jedi use their sorcery against me and this is how i've been deformed i mean you pretty much have to believe him at face value right yeah i guess so and yularen wasn't that close with mace as he was with say obi-wan and anakin and it wasn't obi-wan or anakin as far as he understands that attacked the chancellor it was mace and a couple of the jedi masters on the jedi council you know you it could go that way i can't accept that you know there was a throwaway line listed said also that really piqued my interest i didn't catch it on the first time through but when it's before we see you Laren, a group of people come out and he's like oh scepter command staff and i'm like oh who who's scepter command like <laughs> that sounds elite as hell and then they go in and they see you there and they're like oh okay maybe that that has some of the tie to it but i never caught that before no that was definitely new for me but they seemed very important and they were coming out of thron's office so you knew that he's systematically going through all of the important officers who handle these important tasks to try to root out who the spy is mm-hmm. and, and in fact i can't find anything on them in the wick the wikipedia comes up empty brand new huh. characters maybe man, you know well i mean we We've always said that they don't throw away anything. There's no unused lines. And, and I mean, y- you named five individuals that were coming out of an office that you could have easily left unnamed. I mean, we got to be coming back to that, right? Yeah, and it's, yeah, I, I, I would assume so. And speaking of characters who don't get thrown away, we got AP5 back. What yeah. A, I mean, AP5, with all the, the, the Star Wars droids that have been introduced, all the new ones... C-3PO and R2-D2 are kind of being pushed back. We've got BB-8. We got now we have like a, a, a 9EB kind of BB-8. We've gotten K-2SO. We've gotten AP-5 and Rebels. And I have to say that AP-5 is my favorite new droid, man. He, he mm-hmm. comes off and he just says whatever is on his mind. 
he doesn't say you're an imbecile, but it kind of comes out like that. You know, everybody everybody is beneath him. He tells Chopper that Chopper goes to uh, just some regular port, and he tells Chopper, hey, you can't get that clearance code from that port. You have to go to an officer's port. And that is something that I don't think any Star Wars fan has ever thought of. They can get any information they want. You know, they can shut down trash compactors. They can get they can get information of what cell a certain prisoner is in. No, not here. Filoni fixed that. He says, you know what? All <laughs> these ports, especially on the Chimera, you can't get all the information from here. You have to go to a certain port. I like that. You know, that was another little thing that they put in here that just expands the universe here. Well, I have a question. When they get into the offices, Ezra's all like, well, okay, so Chopper was able to steal all the codes that they needed to perform the mission, except when Thrawn showed up, they changed where Ezra and them were to a different ship. They went to the Chimera. Once they were on the Chimera, they had to get a separate set of codes for that ship to get to Kanan and Rex, so when they showed up, they could be there to pull them out, to extract them from the ship. Uh... So they went from ship A, which was the plan, to ship B, and when the ghost uh, or when the phantom shows up actually no there was a, an imperial shuttle i believe they stole when they showed up they needed to go ship b but they only had the clearance codes for ship a so chopper had to get the special codes for ship b which they had to get in addition to the ones he had already stolen uh, so there was an additional and i think too that was another great great thing that i i was picking up a lot of little details like this the way the star destroyers or the destroyers the little cruisers they have the docking of the lambda class shuttle in the front i love the fact that they do that they don't just do it with the tie fighters and the bombers and stuff they're doing it with almost all these little small shuttle ships and i'm loving it another big part of this episode was like thrawn's fight scenes how many was there was there three there was two fight scenes one was like a training scene and then one was like the real fight scene the The real fight scene was so cool and it's very reminiscent of the training one, which just happened a couple minutes before, because it's like he's he's kicking down the battle droids or or assassin droids in the same way that he was when he was training. Like he just saw him and he like cracked his knuckles or whatever, then he started flipping them <laughs> around him and stuff. Mithron Uyuru is very fast on his feet, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. How old is Thrawn? He's like a thousand years old. The audiobook for the new Thrawn. And it makes it seem, they, I don't really think it says how, how old he is, but it makes it seem like they are older than humans, that they're kind of ancient. But I don't think it really said how old Thrawn was in that book. I don't remember. No, I don't remember it actually specifying as well. You know, he's like the Bruce Lee of the Grand Admirals right now. I mean, I, he's it, more like the modern day Sherlock, like the Rodney Downey uh, Jr. Sherlock, you know? Oh, absolutely. He's tough, you know, and this is something that we have not seen in the Empire. Either in the Empire, you have somebody who's really tough like Vader and doesn't seem so smart, even though he is smart, but he's not like... Vader doesn't seem as smart as Thrawn. So you don't have these two... And and definitely the the Emperor is not as physical. You know, I think just this was the first time I've seen an officer of the Empire who's smart and physical at the same time, and I'm glad it was Thrawn. He looks mm-hmm. kind of cool with all the blue twirling around and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's blue, like, flying around in the air. 
I love the fact that his override code was Rook, which is the Nagri bodyguard that came from Legends. And we're assuming that his name is still Rook. Uh, but the fact that he's going to start playing more in next season as well, that was it was exciting to hear that mention. Um, you know, Barrett, you were talking about AP5 and Chopper and, and the different droids throughout. And one set of droids, too, that, that we forgot to mention is Ash. Uh, Dr. Afra's two homicidal droids. It seems like the droids seem to be the comedic backdrop, so to speak. I think that AP5 definitely serves Chopper in the aspect of he's the 3PO to Chopper's R2. Um, but I think between them and Kanan and Rex, that was where the humor came in. This episode felt very intense. And so when you had those four other characters spritzed throughout as they did, it lightened the mood. Like there was some great. Uh, when when they show up and they realize that the fleet's there, Rex is a whoa. Hey, Gramps, want to fill me in? Kanan says a lot of ships. Rex, <laughs> I was dying. I mean, the way Kanan, I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. The way he plays Kanan, I just love the deliveries. Like they get inside and they got the armor on. He's like comfortable. I thought I lost a little weight. <laughs> like, the, the, the dialogue <laughs> there was on point, and I I'm really loving the little bromance there. Like you know, I mean. If if you know more about Kanan's character, the fact that he's so chummy with a clone says something about the guy, and I love it. Ezra ha- is getting really good at force manipulation. You notice that too? Yeah. yeah. He's definitely uh, picked up some darker traits, maybe? I'm, I'm not sure. Is that a good thing or a bad thing that he's getting so bad at that? Or, or good, so good, <laughs> so bad, or so good at it that he's going bad. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? You think, you think that that might put him on a darker path? Maybe because we've seen him. Didn't we see him like last season use a dark saber with with like no hesitation? And right, or was it the dark uh, triangle? The holocron, the Sith holocron. Yeah. yeah, he he used that like it was it was no biggie, and and we can see it kind of carry over uh, Ezra's like evil traits. And Legends has always played with the the force manipulation, the Jedi mind trick. I mean, granted, they call it a Jedi mind trick, but in Legends and the role playing and stuff, it was always considered a dark side trait. The more you became stronger in it, the more it gave you dark side points. So, you know, the the fact that Ezra has become so good at it, it, it makes me wonder: is that still going to be what they consider? You know, are they considering that a more darker one, or is it more neutral of a power where even the Jedi do it? And so long as he's not doing it for evil intents, I mean, that's something they really haven't played much with so far in canon. So we get to the end of the episode. Our heroes fight their way out of the hangar bay. It's time for Callus to jump on the ship, and he chooses not to jump on the ship. And immediately, I think, bad decision, man. Bad decision. There's no way all of this stuff could have happened under Thrawn's nose, and he ain't going to figure out it's you. We've learned in the show that Thrawn is so smart, he will find anything and any, like, I don't know, he'd find anything, any evidence at any time to, to, to hunt you down. Well, and with him being an alien, like that's got to add a creep factor to it. I mean, he he's unlike humans, so they have to start questioning. You know, does he have supernatural powers? Does his, his species have abilities that we don't know about? I mean, he's out guessing things. Maybe he has another organ that we don't have. I mean, Callus isn't even concerned. Like everything Thrawn has done so far has raised the hackles on the back of my neck. Granted, that could be part of the theme music, but it's working. What what species is Thrawn? A chiss. A, a chiss? I've never even yes. heard of that. 
I'm C-H-I-S-S. Re- that's going to be our next book that we're going to read is the Thrawn book. I'm trying to read through it first. That way I can answer some questions when we go through it. But he's a Chiss, and they're from... There's wild space, and then there's the unknown regions. And he is from the unknown regions. So in this book that's giving us the backstory of Thrawn, it basically, the only people that really know about him in this universe, and the star, there it's like stories and, and rumors and stuff like that. So nobody really knows him. And he's not an evil person in the book. He's more of an anti-kind of hero. He's more of kind of like an intelligent person who's using his intelligence in the Empire for survival. He's not an evil person. If he has to chop your head off, it's because it's it's duty. You've probably done something. Not because he likes, you know, the gore and blood. And he's coming off like that here. I don't know if I'm rooting for Thrawn or if I'm rooting for the rebels half the time. Yeah, we're rooting for Thrawn because, I mean, so, so Pharaoh, in, in Legends, the Chiss were species that had been around during the Old Republic. In fact, there was a, uh, one of Thrawn's relatives was a Jedi Chiss. There was a book series with his characters, and they even have a comic series. Uh, and I think his name was Nero or something like that. But later with Thrawn, Thrawn joins the Empire because of what we later find out is a threat called the Yuzen Vong. There were species of aliens that came inside the galaxy later when Luke is in his 40s. Thrawn ran into them early because he was on the outer edges of the galaxy. So his people had been fighting them for about 20 some years and he recognized the threat that they were and he recognized the tool that the Empire could be in his war against them. And so he joined up with them to basically try to get the added power and might of the empire to help the Chiss ascendancy take out what they were calling the far out, the far outsiders. That was part of where Thrawn also had this, you know, added awesomeness because this was all something that came after the fact, because when the original books by Zahn were wrote, the Vong weren't even thought up yet. So they added all this stuff in later and just kept adding this layer and layer and layer of Thrawn being this guy that would outthink people. And so for Palpatine to see Thrawn and recognize the smarts of Thrawn and then promote him inside the Empire, an Empire that hates it hates women, it hates aliens of all sorts. So the fact that it takes an alien and promotes him to a position of power and then quickly advances him along to the point where he's a Grand Moff, no less, a position that, that Grand Moff Tarkin was – it was basically made for Tarkin and now this alien's got it. I mean that, that retconning of it made Palpatine even smarter just by how smart Thrawn was. It was like, oh, hey, come over here and be in my camp. I'm going to use you. You know, I haven't finished the Thrawn book, but they do mention – they haven't said Vong, but they do mention this outside threat. So are they bringing in the Vong? Yes. No, it was always called this outside threat. And later they established that, yes, the Vong are that outside in threat. The but book. at the time, at the time, it was just vague. Timothy no, I'm Zahn left about it in vague. This book, in this oh, wait, no, book. in this. They, okay, they so talk, in, in the new mentioned. canon book, yeah, yeah, they do mention threats and it's vague. You could make an argument that maybe the Vong will show up. I mean, part of that argument is the fact that Filoni, under George Lucas, was going to bring the Vong into the Clone Wars. The fact that they were on George Lucas's radar leads a heavy credence to the fact that it could be the Vong still that is that threat. Or it could be something completely new, or it could be both. Uh, but it, it definitely hasn't been named. It, they They hint at it. And the fact that the writers and stuff at panels back when the Legends became Legends said, well, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. So a lot of events and stuff that happened in Legends still to a degree happened in canon, but it won't have happened until we find out about it. So, you know, it may 
still have a war with the Vong down the road, but as of right now, no, that's that's not coming. But they're definitely seeding something. There is a threat of some form or fashion. Could it be Snoke? We don't know. They better do something with Snoke. Let me just put that out there right now. Well, all, all the images I'm seeing, he looks just like some scared, confused old man. And it's such a contrast because they release the images of Snoke and they release the images of Thanos on the same day. And the contrast <laughs> of Thanos and Snoke is so huge that they better do something about Snoke's image quick. Because if he comes out, and I don't care if he can move a Death Star, it'll seem forced and not earned if they don't do something about Snoke's image right now. That's all I got to like, say. Are you saying like he looks weak? Because I mean, he looks weak. He looks confused. He looks like this. an old man who's confused. Who, so who consider hasn't this taken his Metamucil. In universe so far, what we know of the First Order is that under Gallius Rax in the Aftermath series, he wipes out a good chunk of the fleet. And there is another group of the fleet out in between the galaxy and another another galaxy grouped together. And Ray Sloan goes and now takes control of that group. And that group will eventually become the First Order. At that point, Snoke is nowhere in the picture. So at some point, Snoke comes in and takes control of the First Order. So you've got to be pretty powerful to come in as an outsider in a group that has already dealt with what they've dealt with. And come in and take control and seize control and get them all to basically call you their supreme leader. I mean, I, I mean, I'm with you that he looks like it just like Hugh Hefner in a bathrobe, but there's got to be some serious power there to be able to pull that move off. I mean, <laughs> maybe he took a role from Thrawn. Maybe he took a role from Palpatine. I, I'm not sure, but there's something about this guy that has to be powerful. My personal thought, one through ten. 10 being personal best, I would probably give this a 7, 7.5 because it was a really good episode. I feel like it could have been like expressed more easily. At the very beginning, it kind of just jumped in. And yeah, that's good for some episodes and stuff, but it totally lost me at first. What about you, Father? Well, I would have to say with this one, I give it an 8.5. No, no, I'm going to go with my original thought. I'm giving it a 9. The title being Through Imperial Eyes, the fact that the opening scene is literally through the eyes of Callus. Uh, I thought that was very poetic. The score worked, you know, when, when we're in the opening scene and stuff, the intensity of the music is kind of cool. Uh, we get to Thrawn and his organ music. I mean, it works every time that they're doing it. I think that the humor was placed just right. I think, again, you know, the writing on this, it, it hits. You know, there were moments where I was questioning why the people were doing what they were doing. You know, I mean, maybe that's just tropey, but I, I dug it. Like, I felt like every single trope was the right trope. I mean, I didn't like Callus staying behind, but it works for what they're going to do with the character down the road. So I, I get why they did it. But again, getting back to the intensity of this episode, it was just over the top for me. Every time Thrawn came in or the threat of Thrawn or the threat that Callus was going to be caught. I mean, there's a moment where Callus even mentions, you know, if I get caught, I'm executed for this. It's like, you know, death is this a life and death moment. And it definitely felt like it for me. I thought this was a very solid episode. Like the last one, it didn't feel filler. It felt like I don't know. I felt like it would carry on to the next one. It felt like this made an impact on the series. And now that we're seeing Thrawn again, like, more frequently, it's cool. See what his plans are and see how he figures out the Rebels, like, I don't know, schemes. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give it, like, a 7.5. I felt like it was a really solid episode. It was on the better side. And like you said, Mark, it was a more serious episode, but the humor was placed right in. This episode is going to be a bigger impact than when you watched it the first time. Like, when Zeb and 
Callus got stuck on that planet. And it was like, oh, it's just Zeb and Callus, and now they're friends, and it's, you know, an enemy mind throwback. That meant a lot when you go back and look at that now, because that changed Callus's mind, and he saved them, I don't know, countless times since then. And I think when we go back and watch this, this was the moment that Thrawn has them. He knows what planet they're on now, I think, because he studied that map. When Chopper switched out that planet for another one, you don't think Thrawn immediately noticed what planet was changed? He did. So I'm so glad you said that because I kept thinking, what if that database uh, that database had one of those revision lists where you're like, well, what was this? A click back on it, <laughs> like, oh. yeah, an, an undo button or something like that. You know, F F five. They're in the most dangerous spot that they've ever been in right now, and I think that this is going to be a catalyst what's going to happen in these last few episodes for our heroes and, and whether mm-hmm. Thrawn's net is going to finally go around our heroes and capture them so on a scale from one to ten for me this is going to be a solid eight maybe it'll go up to nine or ten once we figure out what happens to Thrawn in the future what happens to him ultimately in this series so that wraps up this episode of The Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone who joined us today, coming in and giving us a listen. You can find our episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. And lastly, before we go, we always want to mention to you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you can get a free trial run of Audible to see what they're all about. In fact, you can listen to that Thrawn book that Barrett was talking about that he's listening to because Audible has more than 100,000 titles for you to explore, titles from the Star Wars Expanded Universe or any other genre, all without risk of getting stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So once again, for the Padawan perspective, this has been Mark, Tay, Barrett, and Pharaoh. So until next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. Ba ba ba. Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. First impressions of the episode. Have you have you done this before? You know, this is a show that you've been on before. Yeah, we kind of do the same thing every week. The end, you kind of give. Yeah, I guess you kind of do it at the end. Maybe he's right. I don't know, but. So so where to go? We discuss everything, and after we get it all in our head, then we do it. Yeah, yeah, I think you usually do the question first, right? Do you have a question, or I do, I do. Okay, go ahead. Well, you know how we. I think it's your turn this time, T. Okay.
saying goodbye and goodbye until frick <laughs> i don't want to say goodbye like i feel say like whatever you want so long farewell uh, <laughs> sorry that came to my head okay so until next time why is next twice so next next time <laughs> i don't know why it's so <laughs> twice all of a sudden sorry Ba 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 ba